0: This is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. Podcasts for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere.
1: Today's episode comes from an interview I did with Richard Clark of Christianity Today. Where are you from? You have an accent. It's not American. Yes, (laughs) I, I live in the UK, but I'm from Australia, so born
0: and bred Australian. Which do you prefer between those two? prefer well i'm an australian
1: so um you prefer pref- you have to prefer australia yes, if you're from but, there but
0: but england is our home right okay. now sure yeah.
1: are you like a big fan of the queen i'm asking like dumb yeah. american yeah, i'm just I letting am. myself ask yeah. dumb american
0: questions she she has been an amazing leader i think a, a, a spiritual leader huh. a christian leader wow. for really the whole course of her life yeah. and uh you know, back in 1999, we, we we had a referendum in Australia, and overwhelmingly, Australian people want her to to rule over us. So she's still really? the Queen of Australia. Yeah, wow, yeah. That's we love awesome. her. And uh, you know, I have been so impressed at um, you know, especially if you you look back to some of her Christmas messages messages they'll be on YouTube how she weaves the gospel into. Um, you know what what still needs to be something for all of her subjects yeah. and she's really
1: respected by even people who who are republicans both in australia and in britain that's fascinating i could talk forever about the queen i feel like but i'm not going to do that so when you come to the states how many how often do you do that oh, a couple of times a year okay our focus at
0: the moment is britain and and uh and we've been there two years uh-huh uh, but um, I like to partner with guys here, so I don't just come to speak, but I'm I'm looking to, I've got some partners here in the U.S. who do what we do, uh, can we get together. So I'm not just speaking at an event, yeah. but um, helping to connect them for follow-up in the work that we do. And also just getting the time with other other people with a similar heart.
1: So I'll come for those purposes. So we always start the podcast with a particular question, which is how would you describe or define your calling? My calling is to uh, multiply disciples and churches everywhere. How did you come to realize that that was your calling? Like what was the moment that yeah. you realized that?
0: well... I uh, have to go back a long time, sure. and uh, my wife and I had planted our done our first church plant and it had gone well. In the second year, we had a big church fight and uh, church fire fight.
1: Oh, fight! Yeah, we had a big church. It's the fight. second podcast I've done where there's been a f- fight. Yeah, it, we, but not a literal fight. Fight. Yeah. It, okay. It, no, uh, I had and, a podcast where a guy had a literal fight. Okay. No. <laughs>
0: And in that time, you know, God shook my life. He shook what I thought was my successful ministry. And he just called me back to himself. And I spent a lot of time uh, in prayer, seeking him in the word. Out of that experience where the best of my efforts was shaken, I mean, we had a church of over a couple of hundred within, within the first year. But I realized God wanted more than that. He wanted, he wanted to be his church, not mine. And he wanted my life back. Now, I wasn't sort of running from God, but there were mixed motivations. He just wanted to do something deeper in me, and so I just began seeking Him each each day, time in prayer, and and this was desperation because it had really shaken me up personally. And uh, you were at, the minister at this church. I was
1: the church planter. Yeah. Were you facing like unemployment at that point? No, no, no. It's just you were just. If kind you've of... been a leader and you're in the midst of a major conflict, right?
0: Um, then it just it just Shakes you up. Yeah. Yeah. So in actual reality, you know, the church wasn't going to unravel, but that's not how you feel at the time. So as I sought the Lord and uh, just found a fresh level of surrender and and handing over my life and ministry to Him, I'd just one morning I was out in our garage. I had a little little wood burner, a little potbelly stove I'd stoke up in the winter and just, just be out there for a couple of hours early in the morning praying, reading the Word. And God just, God just spoke to my heart and said, Steve, it's not just one, one church. Um, you know, He put on my heart that we would see church planting movements across Australia and beyond. And that was a, a real, it, I don't know where it came from, but I, I know that call found me back in, uh, it was 1988. And, uh, so that's where the call began and I've been pursuing it ever since, you know as a church planter, and then we planted again, and then into a role uh, with a mission agency that I came to lead in Australia, where we were serving and coaching church planters and helping with, um, you know, denominational strategies. So I became a coach and a trainer and continued that. And then there was another moment where the call was severely tested about eight years ago. So for about 20 years, I'm doing this work. And just personally and in the ministry, I just realized, you know, that vision for movements and the vision I had for some, some stuff to happen in my life and some of the challenges with uh, just on a personal level, uh, the wheels came off the wagon for me for about six months, uh, eight years ago. And um, I have a background with depression, but normally I can keep functioning and I manage it well, this is a point where, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the fuel gauge was on empty right. and the yeah. car was splattering forward. Was
1: that tied to a, a, anything that was happening? Really, it was
0: the buildup of uh, really years, both the, what's, what's happening in my body chemically, stage of life, all of that. But it really was, I think, to some degree, the fruit of unfulfilled dreams. Now, we can call it midlife crisis, but it doesn't make it any easier for six months. How old were you? I was, uh, yeah, I was about 50. Okay. But for about six months, you know, I had to go to my board and I said, look, I'm just not functioning and I, I, I need some help, but I'm still in the game. And they graciously said, Steve, take the time you need. And it took six months. Um, so I was just, uh, getting some help from a Christian psychiatrist and really stepped out of ministry for maybe I was working on about a 5% capacity at that time.
1: It's amazing that you, had people who would who were understanding of that yes that's a big deal
0: and a turning point for me was a few months into this and i'm saying to a very good christian psychiatrist uh rod smith in melbourne and saying to him i i think in terms of legacy and purpose i feel like my life's over now, a thousand people could have said to me who know me, that's ridiculous, but that wouldn't have made any difference because that was my reality. Said, and I'm, I'm looking for a bit of sympathy here because that's his job. And I'm saying <laughs> I, I, I think um, I, I'm not going to do anything silly, but I, I, my worst fear is I could live another 30 years and, and, and have no purpose, have no legacy. In terms of what I don't need success, I just need to achieve what God had put on my heart and to see his will done, you know, personally and in the ministry. And Rogers he looked at me and says, who guarantees you a legacy? Who guarantees you a purpose? Where's, where did you get that from? And then he, re, you know, he's, I'm, I'm the sort of missionary, right? But he reaches into his, uh, opens his drawer of his, his desk and pulls out a pocket New Testament and starts reading me verses about the love of God. He said, this is all you've got. This is all you can claim, <laughs> you know. And that was a turning point where I realized, okay, that's, this is my Job experience. I don't have answers. I don't have any, you know, everyone would have said, Steve, you will have a legacy. Oh, it wouldn't have mattered to me. I wouldn't have heard it. But here I am confronted with feeling like my, my life will achieve no lasting purpose as far as I can understand so what have I got left? I've got the love of God. And I remember sort of walking, I was walking near, near home and just saying to the Lord, okay, if this is a deal, i, I got to get up each day for the next, I might live another 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time I was getting through a day at a time. Previously I was trying to get through an hour at a time. That's that's where I was at emotionally and, and psychologically. And I said, okay, Lord, if, if that's the deal, I'm, I'm up for it because... Christ died a very real death, and he rose to life, came back physically, not just spiritually. He conquered this world. If I have that relationship with him that lasts forever, okay, maybe I won't understand the next 30 years. Maybe I don't feel in any of this the comfort or the, the sympathy of God. All I know are those realities. Am I going to base my life on these things? And I'm not a giant here. I'm not some superstar, you know, uh, suffering in glory and stuff. I'm a broken man. Yeah. So all I've got to bring to the Lord is, okay, Lord, if this is the deal, I'll just accept what you've given me in Christ. And it, I'm not not overnight, but over the next few months, um, you know, it all turned around. Um, what do you mean it
1: all turned around?
0: Well, I think just gradually with some help of some, some good counseling, some, some medication to help, gradually, you know, the, the levels of depression start, start lifting. You start getting back to normality. You know, I had a, a trip planned before all this happened. I think it was like three continents, five nations. I had to go just connecting with people, following up our workers in the field and all of that. And I was terrified of doing that because in my state. You know, I was getting better, but I thought, you know, when you, you travel, I I don't stay in hotels. I stay with people. So there's, there's nowhere to hide, you know? Mm. (laughs) And I talked to Rod about it and, uh, he said, you know, I, I just feel like maybe you should consider doing this. And I thought, wow, you know, okay. And it just, the conviction grew. I should be on it. Well, we were looking at shutting, we, we, Michelle and I, my wife and I lead a, a mission agency that You know, multiplies disciples and churches wherever we can. And we're looking at closing that down. It's called Move. So the first visit, I'm in uh, China with a guy who, a couple who have seen multiplying movements in China, thousands of new believers, hundreds of new churches. Most of the people don't know his name because he's mentoring, he's led the key leaders to Christ and he's mentoring and they're doing the work. And he says to me, look, we haven't got a mission agency at the moment. We're, we're just sent out by a local church. We'd really like to join with you, Steve. And I say to him, uh, Grant, I'm, I'm done for, mate. I'm, this is my last hurrah. You, know? I, I, well, you should try this organ or that organisation. And he just looked at me and says, Steve, we like you. And you'll be fine. <laughs> And here I am, a man thinking he's going to close this organization down. He's going to stop this work that he's called to. And and someone knows all about that. And he's saying to me, Steve, we want to be part of what God's going to do through MOVE. And he came on board and, and, and God just began building the team. The other key thing that happened is... And this is my insight. When you're a dead man, okay, when you've lost it all, not just the ministry side, but we were just sort of other challenge, personal challenges and stuff, everything that comes back to you is a gift of God, and you're free. You know, so my, I've written a book on movements. Six major publishers had knocked it back, and, and I got to the right people who made it. It wasn't just sort of someone never read the manuscript. Right. And now, you know, we self-publish and it's, uh, it just takes off. This, this, And this was a dream of me to publish this book. I've been working on it one way or another for about 20 years since yeah. that first call in the garage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's as though this is a gift. You know, it can take off, it cannot take off. It's my identity. I mean, it's still to some degree tied into that the the writing and stuff. But when it does, I can see it as a gift of God, a work of God, because I remember where I was. And then the other thing was, and I've learned something about when you need a major paradigm shift in your life and your calling. So I'm thinking in in the scriptures, this would be Paul on the Damascus Road. You know, Jesus used a baseball bat there. (laughs) You know, it's like he shook him. And it wasn't just his conversion, it was his call. Or Peter, before he gets to Cornelius' house, that's 10 years since Pentecost, and he's not understanding about this whole movement of churches amongst uh, Gentiles who aren't, you know, aren't going to become Jews. And again, God shakes him. You know, It's not like Peter's been to Dundee Min or something or come, read one of my books or <laughs> right. gone to seminary. You know, this is a work of God. Peter had to be shaken before he could see it. And this is what happened in my life, and I think it happens in other leaders' lives, not everyone, but many of them, where the byproduct of my unravelling was, you know, some months down the track, some missing pieces in what it takes to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. You know, that, that shift occurred with my wife Michelle, where she, she's, you know, the book has taken off, she says, you've written this great book, Steve. And that's when I, you know, you feel good when, as, a, as a man when your husband notices your sorry, when your wife notices what you've achieved. Yeah. But this is also a scary moment in a man's life and that's, that's when God speaks to him through his wife. And uh, she looked at me and said, but when are you going to do something? And I wish I could have been offended, but immediately I knew this is, this is God's word to me right now. Because the book had all the key principles from scripture, from practitioners around the world. There was nothing wrong with the book. And yet, the missing piece as we tried to uh, apply those principles and train leaders in it, both in Australia and New Zealand, Europe, and occasionally in the US, is what to do on Monday morning. So everybody had these principles, but they didn't, they didn't, they weren't doing anything with them. And so I just went back to my book, well, where, where do you get started? Well, we, we go walking uh, out in the community looking for God-prepared people. And we live just a few minutes away from uh, a, a sort of a large suburb in Melbourne called Box Hill, where God has brought the nations. So you can find people from mainland China or Iran or South America. It's just packed with uh, people from around the world. And we just go out prayer walking, which is what I say to do in my book. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally. Just just do what Jesus did. Go looking for a God-prepared person. Pray for a need. Share uh, something from, you know, a story from Scripture about Jesus or share your story or a gospel outline and look for God-prepared people. We just started doing that. The very first hour and a half we had to do that, We just, Michelle took me into a Chinese bookstore. What are we going in here? We don't read Chinese. (laughs) The sales assistant wants to get to know us and just chases us around the store for the next half hour. And I come out of that store overwhelmed because we've found in an hour and a half of prayer walking a God-prepared person. And a whole ministry opened up in Box Hill that Michelle led and I was on her team where we start connecting with people from all these different places around the world through English Conversation Club, but sharing up front with them by doing Discovery Bible so that was one of the ways they could learn conversational English. It wasn't an English-structured class. It was just, you've got some English, let's, let's practice. And one of the ways we practice is let's, let's look at this story uh, about Jesus or something in the Scripture and, and talk about it. And as we found people who wanted to know more from the four corners of the earth, we'd, we'd catch up, we'd meet them some more. You know, we started seeing people come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. We hadn't done that in years, even though we're leading a mission agency. Why hadn't you done it, do you think? What kept I you from doing it? I believe the lie that the Great Commission was only given to extrovert evangelists. Huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm a guy who prays for an empty seat so I can read a book. because really the way God uses me, I I scour the world, I scour church history, I scour the scriptures for the key, you know, what are the key principles here that we see applied in movements that multiply disciples in church? That's what I do, and God uses that because I'm not pretending I'm, you know, an evangelist or a great this or that. I'm just, let me tell you a story of, you know, like today, what Jeff Sundell has done in, uh, in, in, in the U.S., across the U.S. Let me tell you what Leapock's done in nor- northern India. I know those stories. I've been to those places. And God uses that. But what he brought me back to is the Great Commission was given to every believer, you know, and, and that is this, the key command is go make disciples of the nations. That's the rock. And, but hanging off that and supporting it is you do that by going by baptizing and by teaching them to obey what jesus commanded and so we just started doing that i'll tell you the first night of that english conversation club i left early i'm i'm an introvert big time and i can in short bursts i do really well like right this interview yeah but typically, I, I want to be with books. I want to be with ideas. I want to be debriefing a leader who's on the front line and learning from them. But now, now God's saying, Steve, I'll just step out of your comfort zone. Why, why don't you just take a step of obedience? Right. And I thought I had to love God more or be closer to Jesus or he just had to do something to me. And he's just saying, Steve, you've got enough. Why don't you just go and meet someone? offer to pray for a need in their life. And it's amazing how many people will will just say, yeah, would you pray for this? People I've just met or neighbours or family. And then just ask them, hey, right now in your life, are you near or far from God? And would you like to be near? And then to be able to share a story from Scripture like the woman who wept or... Uh, to be able to share my story in two minutes or so, or to be able to share a simple gospel outline like a thing called the three circle, and then knowing what to do next. So how do you help a new believer, a group of new believers, start following Jesus by reading the scriptures together in a discovery pattern? So all of these simple reproducing methods plus obedience. So all you've got is the living word of God, that through which God created and sustains the universe. And you've got the Holy Spirit and your weak and trembling obedience. Right. And we started seeing people come to know Christ, go into discipleship, and they're still following him now. And then right around Australia, I started training people in this. And wherever people are implementing, they began to see the same. It's not yet a multiplying movement, but all the signs, these are early signs, but everybody's saying, like you and you, Steve, and Michelle a little bit less so, we weren't getting out there with the gospel. We weren't seeing new believers. These are not just like I was converted in the youth group, okay? Right, right. So, and so I value youth group and Sunday school mm-hmm. conversions. Mm-hmm. But these are people far from God and far from any church. Yeah. We've gone out and found them. And I step back. So this is unfolding now from we'll have to close the thing down, the book will never get published, you know, it's over, Steve. Okay, Lord, if all I have is you, life with you for eternity because of Jesus' death and resurrection, I'll take that deal. And now it's coming back to me, and, but as a gift. You know, I'm no longer driven to succeed in these things. I might be tempted to still, but the power of that is broken. And the more I find myself in Christ, I find the more He trusts me with responsibility and fruit uh, in the ministry. And yet, it's freeing
1: rather than driving me. Are you like a, a pastor in a local church right no, now?
0: No, Michelle and I lead. Uh, you lead uh, the a mission move. agency. Move. Okay. And so we have workers, Australians in in Australia, uh, and we work a lot with churches by. Uh, we we lead by example, and then we take others out into the harvest and help them become people who multiply disciples and churches. So we're doing that in uh, Australia, in the South Pacific. Uh, we've got people in Thailand and in uh, North and South India, uh, and we also have uh, what Michelle and I are based in Britain, and that's our major focus now. But we're also building a team of Move workers. Uh, in Britain, and as we consolidate and advance there,
1: we'll, we'll look to Europe. When did you actually decide to go into the ministry?
0: First step would have been when the first, uh, we call them composition, like a uh, four-sentence story that uh-huh. I wrote in elementary school. Okay. And yeah. uh, my mate wanted to be a soldier. I wanted to be a minister. Huh. Well, part of the reason that my dad's a minister, yeah. former missionary minister, was till he's passed away. I I was far from God till I was about uh 17. But you
1: want me a minister before that. Even before that? Wow. And then But you what's interesting to me is that you're you're clearly like an introvert. It wouldn't have yeah. been a natural It seems like it wouldn't have been a natural fit on the face of it. Like there are a lot of good ministers that are introverts. You've you've sort of got to manage yourself. Okay. Because
0: intro well yeah, I mean, I, I think God can use all, all it just seems It seems like yeah. it's,
1: a, it's a person-oriented thing. You have to interact yeah. with people. Well, I think, It seems like it would be a yeah, challenge on the, the face of it. The
0: call that God's given me is to be in the world of ideas, but yeah. not an abstract academic. I read those guys. So right. I'm mining the scriptures yeah. for lessons and principles about how we see the Great Commission fulfilled. So this part of me, you know, if I'm... Any, I'm just longing. I just want to get into the next book uh, and wrestle with that. Then I'm, I'm, I'm formulate because I want those then to make sense. So I'm not an abstract New Testament guy, but I've read Eckhard Schnabel's multiple volumes, thousands of, he's got a thousand-page um, commentary on Acts. It's just pure gold to me, you know. Most of my guys in the field aren't going to read a thousand-page commentary on Acts. But I stand between guys like Eckhard Schnabel in terms of um, New Testament and missions history. Then I've got other guys around the world like a Nathan Shank up in North India that has seen multiplying movements of thousands, probably tens of thousands of, of new disciples and churches. I'm going I'm to travel there for a week. And learn everything I can from Nathan, from his guys Lee Park and Kumar. They're going to be my teachers because most of the people I interact with by writing or speaking or face to face, they can't go there for a week. And then, and Nathan's too busy. I want him to write, you know, but he's too busy. So I'm I'm going to put that into a book or a major section of a book in partnership with Nathan. I'm going to write that up and get that message out. So God's given me enough of the introvert to do that stuff, but he's also given me enough of the people skills yeah. that I can connect one-on-one or even in a large auditorium or or a smaller training environment, and I've got energy in spurts to huh, say, yeah. this is what we're learning. This is what God's doing. Um, do you have to cope in certain ways? Yeah, I've got to build in margin. Yeah. So after an energy burst like, you know, we're at a big conference here with thousands of people and yeah. it's just morning, afternoon and night um, right. and I'm sharing a room with a guy who snores. You know. <laughs> so um, so I'm going to build in a block of time. I'm going to say no to opportunities when I get back home to the UK, a good opportunities, because I know I'm going to need those three or four days buffer just yeah. to, to do this. So I've learned, you know, it right. took me a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I've learned to manage how God's wired me and to realize, you know, a, a challenge for me, like depression, is uh, sure, at times it, it feels like a curse. It's not, nothing like in eight years, you know, I haven't gone back to that place. But a cor- over the course of my life, you feel like this is, in one sense, a curse. In another sense, my weakness brought me to Christ Uh, my weakness brought me to that point of surrender to the Lord Jesus. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's this earthen vessel, you know, old clay, cracked pot, Paul says. But we have the treasure of the gospel in it. So as God uses me in different ways, I'm just there and I've got, I I don't need to hide. I'm happy to tell anyone I want that I've had a lifelong struggle with depression. And so far, you know, God has helped me grow. He strengthened me through that. He hasn't, you know, bang, healed me of that, but He has strengthened me. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of it anymore and I'm not bound by it. And, and part of that in, you know, that tendency towards, you know, depression is also, you know, a sign, Steve, you've been given out too much, you need to be, you know, my favorite place in the world is a a library. (laughs) But I I just manage how God has wired me. You know, it's great later in life to be
1: sort of feeling like, yeah, I think I'm getting this right. It's kind of nice. You've got this built in. I mean, it's a horrible mechanism, but it's a built in mechanism that causes you to sort of retreat from these person oriented things to the more intellectual things that makes you like uniquely who you are yeah and it it is awful but uh, you know anyone listening to us now i overwhelming majority of them
0: they'll at some way they're walking with a limp you know they're facing a health crisis or one of their kids or grandchildren or financial you know these things come to us god hasn't raptured us out of right this world yeah and they are things to be fought against. They are sometimes harmful and evil things that we're battling. You know, there's a diabolical side to depression that is evil. It doesn't come from me. It's coming from outside. But at the same time, God uses our weaknesses to reveal his strength and his glory. And that's a constant for us all. Thanks for listening to the 121st episode of The Movements Podcast just gone past our 100,000th download. Now, the Movements Podcast and the Movements.net blog are in urgent need of a rebuild. And so I've uh, launched a campaign over at Movements.net. Now, if you'd like to contribute to the appeal, you can head over to Movements.net. i greatly appreciate it. This is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.